0: This is the Liberator Podcast from Giant Worldwide. Welcome to the Liberator Podcast. My name is Jeremy Kuchak. I am with Steve Cochran in the home of Frank Sinatra, Palm
1: Springs, Palm Desert. Hello, Steve Cochran. How are you, Jeremy? Hello, friend? Jeremy. Amazing. We're actually able to see each other face to face today. In, and we haven't seen a cloud all week. It's yeah. It's been very light London weather, really. I felt completely at home.
0: Nice. <laughs> is it normal to wear a speedo like in the desert do you do is that yeah, it's, it's kind of awkward right now everyone listening <laughs> um i have to look the other way <laughs> uh discretion and discipline jeremy is one of our tools
1: to forget what to share when to share who to share it with and i think you just violated that principle, but no,
0: this place is amazing. I can see why
1: Frank Sinatra and the others liked it up here. Yeah, a yeah. Rat Pack country, isn't
0: it? You know what I learned? So this is crazy. I was on the airplane and I was sitting next to this lady uh, from Salt Lake City. I'd gone from Kenya to Amsterdam, to Salt Lake City, to Palm Springs. And it was the last leg. And I le- talked to this lady and she told me all the places she had lived. And I go, what are you, a spy? <laughs> and she goes, uh, I actually am. And it's she tractor. was, she He's was a, just amazing. She was a retired spy. Well, even cooler. Her husband wrote *Red Sparrow*, the book, and then the mer- the movie. The movie we're allowed to say we never saw. Yeah, yeah, literally. it's a bad, yeah, it's a bad movie. Um, anyway, but in it, uh, during that whole time, she told me the history of. She lives here, and she told me told me the history of Palm Springs. So, for those four million interested, um, the listeners, uh, the movie studios wouldn't let Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, all those guys. They had to be within two and a half hours. That's the furthest you could go. Yeah because they needed them for movies or whatever. So they went as far as they could. This is exactly two and a half hours from Hollywood. It probably was before the traffic got worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. (laughs) But isn't that interesting? So they found that that's why they moved to Palm Springs and had this was their kind of holiday. Amazing. Yeah. This has been such... We've had our wives with us. Helen and Kelly have been with us. It's amazing what happens.
1: I still remember the conversation. I said, Darling, um, I've been offered an invitation to go and speak at a conference. and Would you like to come? And Helen's first reaction was, you you serious this is september this is the start of school there's absolutely no way in god's green earth i could possibly leave and i said well have a a look at where we're staying and i showed her the ritz Carlton, of the kind of ranch and she went do you know it just might be possible so i think (laughs) Helen has had she said the most relaxed week is as a nurturer she actually said she feels responsible for no one because she can't see them yeah yeah it's really interesting the idea that if you're if you're a nurturer you're married to one or you know one actually how real liberation real freedom real first gear you usually have to take them outside their physical environment mm-hmm. where they don't feel responsible for anybody. That's outside, right. out of mind.
0: Um, yeah, so we're here at a conference, and um, we've been speaking to 250-ish uh, CEOs and spouses, and yeah. and uh, just a really, really great conference. It's kind of a merger of two different groups together. And we've been speaking. Uh, in fact, I just saw Henry Cloud. He was right there, his room. Henry, we spoke, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud, right after him yesterday. And uh, we had just such a great time uh, being us and doing our deal with these leaders, and it's just it's just so fun. And these were leaders from all over the world that kind of convened and came in to. And so we thought today it would be fun if we kind of gave you a summary, not just what we talked about, but observations that we continue to see Mm -hmm. within the um, uh, oh the senior executive um, area and how they're thinking and what the what really uh, what should a mindset shift look like. So um, what we what we talked about yesterday is we, we actually shared our one hundred X model, which is which is the book. Tell them when it's coming out, Steve? Book comes out I think in the end of March,
1: which um, still seems a long way away, but these things always uh, the nice thing was we spoke about something we actually in the candle. Was that six months? Yeah, six months away. Seven months. Six months,
0: yeah. So uh, the book comes out March twenty eighth. You can actually buy it now, the 100x leader on Amazon, you won't get the book until March, <laughs> but if you want to be a part of the 4 million book sales that we need in the very beginning, <laughs> yeah. it'd really be helpful if each of you could at least buy one book. Um, that really helps the, the mission. But uh, anyway, now we got to speak to these leaders and we, we set up the Sherpa mindset. So, you know what, because I've usually been the one who's you know, shared that part, uh, why don't you start okay. and I'll add color commentary on top of that. So the, the, the picture we used in the beginning was like the classic climber, sitting on the top
1: of Everest, arms up wide, you know, I achieved it. $50,000, a year's worth of hard work. I mean, an incredible achievement to actually get to the top of Everest. But very few people have a picture of anyone else in their kind of summit. And really just looking at the idea of going, yes, that person did climb Everest. But fundamentally, they would never have been able to climb it if they hadn't had a Sherpa who was actually a veteran of the mountain, who knew what was there, that was basically being a liberator to them, calibrating support and challenge. So the thing we're talking about is to go, you you may achieve and summit and climb whatever your Everest is, but the reality is you never got there without somebody who was prepared to be a Sherpa to you. So this analogy of the Sherpa was the, the perfect liberator, the one who calibrates support and challenge really is working with the personality, the wiring, the just observing how do they get certain people that they're contracted to, to the top of a mountain. And the recognition that Sherpas, they never really count how many times they've been up the mountain. They know how many times they've been to Everest. I mean, They've virtually lived there. What they measure as their key metric success is how many people did they equip to climb Everest who would never have been able to do it without them. Mm-hmm. So a Sherpa may say, hey, I've helped 26 people summit. So this idea of the 100X leader is a leader that's committed first to their own personal transformation, their own summiting, but also then really their willingness to take on the challenge of saying, okay, that's me. How do I actually do that for other people? How do I move from just being 100 to
0: being 100X, a leader who multiplies in every area of their life? And so the observation for us was we're watching these... CEOs are here, and these are people who are—I mean—they have committed to come to an event to work on themselves. Yeah, and they've been doing that for years and years and years at this specific conference. Well, that's great because, but that's a—that's a rarity. I mean, you just have very, very few people because they're so. Usually, most executives are so focused in the business; they're so task-oriented. What's the—the the average uh, length of a CEO now is three years. Mm. So if you think about the entire tenure of a CEO's average is three years. So these people have been doing it for a long time. But what we're saying is they've done such a good job to focus on 100 for themselves. And we're not, we're not passing judgment on them that they haven't multiplied because many of them have. Mm. But what we, what we did is we basically gave them an opportunity to think. And we had so many comments afterwards, like you blew my mind. <laughs> I almost think about where I need to start again yeah. to go. So it's, again, what Steve was saying, it's one thing to climb a mountain. It's an entirely different feat to take someone up the mountain, which mm-hmm. means you have to climb and help someone get to the next level. Yeah. So that's ultimately what we're saying, that we need more of those types of leaders. That's what a liberating leader is in our, in our view. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've been trying to say for the last 40 or something episodes. Yeah, and it, it was fascinating because there's obviously a lot of different speakers, a lot of different
1: inputs, and a lot of it was, I mean, obviously, the people in these rooms have significant net worth and they're asking the question, how do, I, how do I be a good steward? How do I use the resource I have? How do I set up a legacy effectively? So there's a whole industry, and we met many of this week, that are, that are basically helping people do financial planning, estate planning, all those things. But um, one of the things you said yesterday that was profound was to go, you know, people die every day, and most of them have done some kind of estate planning. I hope you have, because it would be good to do that. But very few people die having transferred the true gold of their life. The magic. So the magic, their unconscious competence that actually allowed them to be successful and to succeed, and, and in our analogy, climb the mountain themselves. So it seems tragic that they spend, a lot of us will spend a lot of our time doing financial planning and estate planning for when we die, but how many leaders realize that the real gold, if they're not careful, will actually die with them? Yeah. And, in the coffin.
0: and we say, we're saying gold and magic. So there's the yeah. gold industry, which is your possessions. Yeah. The magic is what your unconscious competence is. It's, yeah. So, what are you really, really good at? And what's the intentional, what, what wisdom, knowledge, skills, expertise do you need to transfer intentionally to the next person or the team or the organization? And usually, what happens is, like to Steve's point, again, there is, I don't know how many trillions of dollars are in the gold industry who are helping transfer. The, the the all the gold but who's doing magic industry who's helping people with magic mm. well we are it's a plug for us but no my, my point is is yeah. that what we're focused on is like hey multiply your magic uh what does it look like for you to multiply truly into other people and get them to a higher level mm. which benefits you yeah it's just so funny though is most people go well i don't have time for that yeah or like you I mean you don't have time to scale your business <laughs> well that doesn't sound smart does it yeah. uh, or I don't know how that's probably the biggest part most people want to yes. but they don't know how so they just keep doing what they do yeah. uh, or it's too hard yeah. you know gosh I you mean know, I have to take someone with me yeah. you mean I have to spend time with people <laughs> <laughs> we say that basically the uh, multiplication
1: is always important but it's never urgent until it's too late yeah. so one of our tools the X Factor it talks about the quadrant where you have when it's highly important but low urgent the question is do i have a plan for this yeah. so in some senses you have to have an intentional multiplication plan and you
0: have to be quite specific about what who when because it won't happen by accident i had an opportunity this morning um to talk to one of our colleagues justin westbrooks who is an awesome young man he's he's uh part of our licensing team we we've decided to uh, license the Five Voices system to any uh, internal Sherpa, we call them internal HR specialist or trainer inside a company, or to a coach, consultant, you know, anyone mm. externally, and so that's available and that's an offering that we're we're doing. But I was talking to Justin this morning, and uh, I had an opportunity. I was going to tell him something that I, an idea that I had, and I did, and then I circled back around to him. I go, Hey, by the way, um, do you know why I did that? And so in my mind, instead of the the task was, here's what we need to do, do it. Mm. And then I went back and go, do you see why I'm thinking that way? Mm. And are you okay with it? And do you have any input into it as well? So it it doesn't take that much. I mean, it took me an extra five-minute phone call. Mm. But then he goes, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. Got it. Thank you. So now I'm transferring my thinking and how I got to it versus just telling him what to do. And I think that's that's a missing component. And so most people, when you think about multiplying it, what does that actually mean? It basically means to to train people up, to raise people up, to give them the, get them to think the way you think. Yeah. And you'll be glad you did, even though it. it and if you get started with it, it becomes second nature after a while. Yeah. No,
1: it's good. And I think um,
0: I think the reality is that
1: learning how to do something you said before. It's one thing. I think every every leader in the room we spoke to, everyone who came up to us afterwards, goes, "I want to learn how to do this." Yep. But the reality is, the intent to go, "Hey, I'm going to climb Everest," but if you haven't got tools, it doesn't matter how fit you are, or if you don't, if you're wearing a pair of you know sort of dress shoes and a you know you don't have an ice axe or you don't have the right kit, you're never going to be able to do it. And I think that was the thing that people were coming back and saying, Giant has created tools that actually help us climb. Mm-hmm. Because you're never going to do it on your own. And I think one of the ones that we we shared, the support challenge matrix, which for those of you who've listened to the podcast many times, know really that is at the core of what we believe liberating leadership to be, that the ability to intentionally calibrate high support and high challenge for those that you're leading, so that in some ways multiplication is always a stretch for the person who's actually leading and the people that they're developing, coaching and apprenticing. Because there will be places where there's real challenge. And that's why I always say to people, you know, I I never judge people who go, it's too hard. I'm not doing it. Right. I mean, never judge people like that way. Because unless you actually have a a passion for multiplication and see its benefit and see that actually the legacy that you will leave is far greater when you do that, it it won't happen. And my my experience, and I know yours has as well, is that, that gold is great. You know, we all love it when we sign new contracts or when we are able to pay for something that we afford. But the gold which kind of never diminishes in value, in fact becomes more valuable, is the, one, the magic that you invest in other people. And what happens is at the time, they sometimes don't like the fact that it's really challenging and you're not always good news to them. But what I found is over time they only remember the good bits. Yeah. So the story, when they tell it of your impact in their lives, so Robin who introduced us, you know, I mean, literally said, um, after my husband, after, you know, whatever it was, these two gentlemen have had the most profound influence and have changed my life, my relationships, my marriage is different, the way I leave is different. That's magic being multiplied mm. into somebody. And, do you know, you can't buy introductions like that. Because everyone in the room goes like, who are these people? Obviously, when we come out, it's a slight disappointment. but <laughs> maybe, <you> know, Sort <laughs> of who we are. That's but right. that's, We're um, working on that. I would say for most leaders who've already been successful who've got plenty of gold or whatever it might be, the reward of being a multiplying leader in the testimonies and the stories, your influence goes through the roof. That's the prize that goes with the prize for magic, I
0: reckon. Here's the shameless plug for for those who really, really, really want to know how to do this. uh, There's a few ways you can do it. Because it's one thing to read about it and talk about it. And the 100X mm-hmm. book is coming out in March. And it'll yeah. be helpful. Yeah. Uh, but if, if any of you really, really want to go, I want to multiply and scale my people. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how to do it. Then what I want you to do is uh, contact Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, dot Raider R-A-D-E-R, at giantworldwide.com. And just put a in the subject line, multiplying magic. And then just write out what your situation, what you would like to talk about. And then we can schedule a phone call mm. and we can talk through with you specifics on, on what that might look like. For some of you, maybe it maybe it, it means that you want to you bring either us to uh, speak, maybe to a conference or to your company or have someone in. Or it might just be a phone call. Mm. Uh, or it might be Steve and I are going to be doing um, retreats. We're going to be doing 100X retreats, these giant retreats throughout the year. And they are weekend or two, three-day retreats, and you might want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. 30, 40 people gathering. But we're we're after being really, really functional. One of the comments that we got after speaking uh, was like, oh my goodness, guys, we listened to, we were the last speaker, so we listened to nine speakers, and you guys brought practical, like you showed us actually how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we loved. Like, yeah, here's the big idea, here's the philosophy, yeah, we've got stories, and but how do you actually yeah. get it done? Yeah. And that's what most people just don't know how Absolutely. to do it. So, I,
1: anyway. I mean, I, I had spent a long time um, last night with a, a CEO called Chris, who's an um, amazing guy. I mean, really built a really successful business and basically brought in private equity money. And he, he, he reflected that basically he'd seen support and challenge matrix. And he said, when I saw the matrix, I knew what happened. He said, the culture that allowed us to win was really a liberating culture Mm -hmm. you know yes we had imperfections but that was really what was green and what was growing private equity came in he said and they said no no you want to do it like this killed to do it like this and he said he didn't know any better it was the first you know first rodeo and just went well you guys put in money you know what's in and he said the moment he said i saw that that's what's happened they brought in a dominating culture where it's all challenges no support i'm burning my people and he said i don't want that i I want to change yeah can you help and basically um we've talked a couple of times i'm going to talk with his yeah sort of hro he said i know giant can help me reshape the culture to back to what i want it to Mm -hmm. be because we can't go to the next level there's a huge opportunity they have in front of them but he said we're never going to get there if our culture is a dominating culture so one visual on a screen and he got it immediately because it connected with his reality
0: and in culture slides Uh, Over period of time, it can't be rebuilt with a fad or a seminar or a book. It is a process, right? In the same way, it fell apart. It could be built back again. It would just take some energy. Well, for all those listening, um, that's really what we're saying is we're observing. We're we're with some of the healthiest CEOs Mm. in in North America, and they're really focused on personal growth. They're focused on their teams and their people. And they realized, oh, my goodness, I'm, we're not multiplying. Mm. So imagine what the majority of companies are like, yeah. which we run into most of the time. Yes. And to go, you know, you can, you can do something about it. And by the way, if you're listening and you're not a CEO, we, we're not just talking about CEO. We're talking about culture. So leaders define the culture. Some of you, it's, you're leading your family culture. Mm. It's the same thing, 100x, 100% healthy and multiplying to your kids. Yeah. Um, some of you have uh, a small team. two or three people same thing that's not just for CEOs what control what you can control you can control your mindset you can start working to multiply in those subcultures and um, one of the the other tools we shared as a
1: practical you know people go hey how do I do this we basically said if you're gonna be a liberator which which means your commitment is to fight for the highest possible good in the lives of those that you're responsible for whether that's your kids whether that's your team and what we say is if the answer when you look in the mirror is I want to be that leader this week, here are three questions that you can actually ask. We ask every single week as a simple process to go, I think about all the people that I'm multiplying into in every area of my life, and I go, first question, do they need more support or challenge for me right now? where are they in their journey, in their growth? What's the magic we're multiplying? What's what do they need most from me right now? The second question is what's the tendency or pattern most undermining their influence so if you were to you know we we all see imperfection in others more than we see in ourselves and if I if I produce a list of someone I'm trying to develop and grow here's the 40 things Jeremy that you need to work on before you can be a decent leader that's crushing for people yeah yeah. so we always say choose the one thing the pattern the tendency are they late for meetings are they always sending Mm. long emails do they pick their nose you know you, you get the idea Every, yeah, thank you. Everybody has those tendencies or patterns, and if the person who you're investing in knows that you're for them, knows that you're committed to be a liberator for them, and goes, "Okay, here's the next thing, Jeremy, we're going to work on,"
0: and do it, do it with them Absolutely. right after the situation. Absolutely. Don't like, don't store this up. Yes. Uh, I had a situation with one of our giants recently. We were in a meeting, and I said, "I want you to observe me," and then I'm going to give you a chance to play. And uh, so I'm going to pull you in to be ready. Well, during the break, this person went and got got toast with uh, jelly and jam, all of it, and was the only one eating. Everyone else had coffee. So while <laughs> it I, me, was it, while I was about to bring them up, they had toast in their mouth, and I'm like, "Well, I can't, I can't." So I they missed that opportunity. So afterwards, it was just a younger leader, one of our younger, and I'm just trying to explain: never eat. When we're doing a presentation, <laughs> that comes later. And it was, but it was a small thing. You yes. know, we, oftentimes at Giant, we have these little big things, yes. and we talk about what are the little things that accumulate to become bigger yep. than necessary. So if you work on the little things, yep. so uh, as a leader, you're not you're not trying to nitpick with your people, yep. but you're trying to show them I'm helping you get to the next level, Absolutely. and this one little thing yes. adds up and could actually uh, you know minimize your influence. So. Italian, that's brilliant and the third question you just alluded to which is
1: how do I help my how to help them get to the next level the reason we put that question in is because it infers you actually know what their hope aspiration of their mm-hmm. future is most leaders are so task focused in the present they never take the time with the people they're leading to work out what are your hopes what are your dreams most people will not stay with you now for 25 years or, right. and get a carriage clock but if your reputation as a liberator as a culture which goes I'm going to help you grow to be the best you can possibly be. They often become the best marketers of future recruitment for your culture. So there's your three questions, just as a complete practical thing. With If you want to think about multiplication, picture each person, whether it's a kid, whether it's someone on your team, to go, do they need more support or challenge for me this week? What's the one tendency or pattern undermining their influence we're going to work on? And how do I help them get to the next level?
0: Uh, Steve, do a question? Of course. Yeah, what is a carriage clock? A carriage clock <laughs>
1: is obviously <laughs> one of these great cultural breakdowns. So in England, there was a there was a history that if you often you'd work for the same company for forty years, and at the, your retirement, they would give you this kind of clock. You know about clocks, yeah, yeah, yeah? That would we go have, on your mantelpiece. It was like a little, you know, be that big, and it would sit there. And I'm not quite sure whether it was to symbolise you've done your time. <laughs> I get it. It was just was
0: a a, it was just a British terminology. That's I learned right, some I, yesterday, could, like knackered. Yeah, I knew you, that one. You but don't cream, do that one. Uh, what's the Cream something? Cream crack it? Cream, cream crack <laughs> Yeah, uh, so there was all, all this terminology last night. I
1: told you before, We don't forget, we use 30% more words than you Americans.
0: So. Uh, we, You know what's interesting about that? Your wife said it's not true. Um, <laughs> and well, I think uh, that that you use 30% more words. I actually think that's something that makes you feel more uh, of a prima donna just for, because of our independence that we took. It's just trying to use phrases. So I'm not actually going to challenge that and go, I'm not sure that's actually true. Well, you don't have to think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I do my final thought? Uh, well, I have a final thought, but you go oh, ahead. No, you do no, your no, final no, thought you, first. go ahead. I, no, no me, you, you always have a final you, thought. We're both going to have a final thought. Go I'm going first, first, anyway. someone. Yeah. I don't
1: want to steal your final yeah, thought. I'll be the, the final same. final thought. All right, then. Okay. Well, I hope my <laughs> final thought is the same <laughs> as yours, and then you'll regret it. So, here we go. Here's my thing is to go. When, if you are a leader who has magic, and if you are someone who has the unconscious confidence that you want to multiply, you need to look at your calendar at the beginning of any week and ask yourself this question. Are there any meetings, calls, or trips that are not appropriate as an apprenticeship multiplication experience? So the danger is you go to these things, and it's a great learning, and you look around and go, God, I really wish so-and-so had been here for that. So the hardest thing for leaders is to go the other way and go, assume you're always going to have somebody with you while you're going about the ordinariness of your work, because that's where the magic happens. And only in specific moments or specific contexts where you go, Do you know, I don't think this is appropriate. So reverse the polarity, which is to go, assume that every meeting, every trip, every call is an apprenticeship opportunity
0: to multiply your magic. Yeah, and for me, um, what magic is, it's your unconscious confidence. It doesn't have to be this ethereal thing it's it's how you have meetings how you think it's it's actually pulling out like for in my case um i know how to carry a room we steve and i both do but um i know how to carry a room so i train people on how to carry a room and it's oftentimes it's the little things so just looking around to go you're always making your people better so instead of going ah it drives me nuts when he does that well have you told him have you have if you're the leader you can help him get to the next level, but you have to actually address those things. So those are, are some thoughts of, of how to multiply magic and why it's so important. If you want to create a, a multiplying culture, um, you have to be intentional about this. Yeah. Sorry if you just said giant one flyover. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're just at, coming in to pick us up. We're later. by the airport. You know, we've got... Uh, <laughs> We're gonna spend the rest of our time you got to fly back to England today yeah we um, yeah we fly tonight. back uh, tonight as well I've been gone for two weeks so I'm ready to get home but we, we are um, have such a blast when we get together and uh, get to be face to face so for those listening really really grateful thank you for uh, being friends yeah and again if you want to uh, contact Tracy.rader at giantworldwide.com talk about multiplying magic and if you're really serious about it like let's do something about it like let's let's have conversations at least to see if we can help you or or connect in some way. Until next time, have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. That concludes today's episode of the Liberator podcast from Giant Worldwide. You can find out more information about us online at giantworldwide.com.